You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny schools. Hey, Ankeny community, thanks for joining me today. I'm Dr. Eric Pruitt, superintendent of Ankeny Schools. Let's talk about Miss Iowa. Uh, with me today is Grace Keller, Miss Iowa 2021. Grace Lynn Keller, who's uh, currently 22, was crowned Miss Iowa 2021 in June of 2021 at the Adler Theater in Davenport, Iowa. She also won the overall interview award and the preliminary red carpet award. Originally from Island Lake, Iowa, Grace moved to Iowa City to attend the University of Iowa, where she graduated in 2021 with a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism and Mass Communication. Grace's career ambition is to be the executive of a podcast production company. She has already served as the vice president of Executive Podcast Solutions from 2020 to 2021, was featured on the Women's Leadership Podcast in 2020 and 2021, and was a recipient of the Dorothy Moeller Writing Prize. As Miss Iowa, her social impact initiative is Read to Succeed, promoting literacy in grades K through three. She has been touring public libraries throughout Iowa, leading story times, and promoting creative writing with kids. In addition to attending and speaking at charitable fundraisers and community events, one of these stops was at our very own Northwest Elementary School. Ms. Ke uh, Keller is here to talk to us about why promoting literacy is so important to her, and we might be able to get some advice from her for our podcast if we're lucky. Welcome 2021 Miss Iowa, Grace Keller. Thank you for having me. We're really glad to have uh, have you here. Um, it's, um, as, you, as you saw when you walked in, our kids are really excited to see you. So is our staff. And so um, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, your social impact and read to succeed, uh, promoting literacy in grades K through three. Can you tell me um, what you, uh, made you choose this initiative and how it's helped you um, in your school and career life? Absolutely. So something that is kind of a core memory for me is when I was in fourth grade, I always wanted to be the smartest kid in class. I was always that kind of kid. And so when I was in fourth grade, I remember this conversation I had with my teacher and she told me, the more you read, the smarter you get. And so I kind of took that and ran with it. I just got everything I get my hands on. And I started reading and I read and I read and I read and that kind of led me to this love for literature. And that led into this love for writing and creative writing. And so I started writing stories and I had little journals that I would keep. And I still have some of those to this day, too. Oh, I wow. entered writing competitions and all this um, fun stuff. And then that kind of led me to my love for public speaking and sharing this love of literacy that I had. Um, and I really connect that little moment, that kind of aha moment that I had with my fourth grade teacher as the catalyst for a lot of who I am today. I don't think I would have studied journalism had I not had that moment. Don't think I would have become Miss Iowa had I not had that moment or really discovered any of these passions of mine. So that's really where the initiative stems from and why I chose that for my year of service as Miss Iowa. Absolutely. You know, m many people who are successful, such as you, always talk about those moments in their life when uh, they had this aha. Um, and so, you know, it's just really impressive to, uh, you know, to hear you talk about those moments in fourth grade. And, you know, you, you talk about reading in fourth grade. Um, can you talk about um, a favorite book or books or series of books that, you know, come to mind from when you were in fourth grade? Yeah, thank you. Um, 
I think Junaby Jones was one of those that I just like, I think I read every single one that was out at that time. Yeah. Um, there was another one that I can't remember the name of it, but I remember vividly like some of the stories of this series. And it was about this girl who was going to middle school and mm. it was like written as if it was her diary. And she was talking about her time in middle school. And I was on the cusp of going to middle school at that time in my life. So I remember reading that and wondering what middle school is going to be like based on this book that I was reading. Diary of a Wimpy Kid. That was another yes, one that yes. I loved. Um, and as I got older and into middle school and high school, um, I was obsessed with like the Hunger Games, the Twilight series, all of those as well. So did the movies live up to the books that you read? Oh, gosh, I, I'm one of those people that I always love the book more, I think. Mm, yeah. Although like with the Hunger Games or Twilight, because I was kind of that like teenage obsessed yeah. with those books, <laughs> it was really cool to see those characters come to life. Absolutely. And so you also talked about the importance of writing and so you know what was it about writing that really connected with you and you know what, what drew you in to you know want to become a better writer so writing for me I was reading all these stories and I felt like I wanted to then take that seat and kind of create my own stories. I had all these ideas from all the books that I was reading. And so I just, and I was kind of this creative bundle of energy. I was always doing like arts and crafts and stuff too. So I think that really fed into my my love for writing as well. And so I started writing. I wanted to like write a novel, but obviously in fourth grade, that wasn't really, really realistic for that age. But I would write these short stories, fairy tales, and like stories about people my age and more realistic fiction type stories. I loved writing fiction. Um, and I ended up writing a couple things. We had this competition at my school called Young Authors. Yeah. And so I started entering that competition every year. And um, I wrote like a historical fiction book because the town that I lived in used to be a big beach town. And it wasn't really a residential area, but people would come for the summer from the larger cities. And so that our town had a lot of rich history. So I wrote this historical fiction story about this girl um, during the Great Depression who her father loses her job and they have to move in full time to their beach home in what was my hometown back in that time. And that's like what a lot of people did and I ended up winning the Young Authors Competition wow. with that story. And I still have like the stack of books I wrote for that competition too. I, I save everything. <laughs> And so um, you, you may not know this about me, but I actually started my career as a first grade teacher. Okay, cool. And so um, I'm a, a really big fan of young authors because um, that was a program that we had at the school where I, where I, where I was a teacher. And so hearing you talk about ha still having the books that you wrote at such a young age, um, it's just really impressive. And I, I hope that our, that our young people that are listening understand that, you know, you can write. It doesn't always have to be a novel. It can be poetry. It can, it can um, be short stories. And so you talked about uh, fiction. Um, are you into science fiction or, you know, realistic fiction? You know, what's the genre that you typically go to when you're, when you're writing? Um, it's typically more realistic fiction. Okay. I love reading science fiction, but I think that, and there's some stuff that I've written that is borders a little bit on um, science fiction, but that was more when I was older. When I was younger, I really liked to take my story ideas from personal experiences and like the things that were happening in my life at that time. Um, and you know how 
as young children, every single thing that happens is like the end all be all of right. your life. And so I would take those little things, the drama that was happening at school or like fun things I did with my friends and turn them into these little stories that I would write or poems too. I was actually really big on writing poetry. Really? So I'd do that as well. Yeah. So, you know, what was your process? And so, you know, um, we, we have a lot of young people who um, may not, they have an interest in writing, but they are sometimes intimidated by just you know writing an essay or you know just writing a paragraph and so what was your process um then and now around writing so i'm a big outliner mm. i like to <laughs> outline and i'm a big planner in general so that kind of falls in step with just how i am um, but i like to come up i come up with the idea and i kind of put the main idea on paper like okay this is the basis of what i'm writing and then i expand it from there and i kind of figure out okay so i want this to happen how do the characters get to that point and i kind of develop it outward and get it into this chronological outline and then from this outline it's a very bare bones outline yeah. i start writing in the detail of you know chapters or a short story or whatever i'm creating to kind of start the process and figure out how do I want this to start? This is my end goal. This is the theme that I want this piece to have. And I just really outline everything so that the work that I'm doing is cohesive and it flows well and it makes sense. And I'm also borderline overproof reader. Like I will just go back over and over and over and I have to <laughs> make myself stop sometimes because I'll just keep editing things once I've written them. Um, yeah. But that's another thing that I do that is good. You want to proofread your work, but sometimes I need to stop myself as well. And so with that outline, do you typically know um, exactly where you're going to go with the story or as you're writing, um, it might di diverge into something else that you didn't expect? Yeah, sometimes I'll outline something and I won't really have a clear idea of how I want it to end yet or I'll get up to that big climax point in the plot and then I'm kind of left hanging trying to figure out what I want to happen as things decline toward the end of a work or even just I have this idea of how I want something to end but I don't know how I want to quite get there. And so that for me, um, sometimes I'll outline what I know I want to happen and then I'll leave gaps. And as I kind of write in those parts, I come up with ideas or something pops into my head where I'm like, okay, yeah, wait, I could do this and have them go here or have this happen and kind of bring that part on. And so that's something that while I do like to plan, there is a lot of um, free motion there yeah. and I kind of help uh, sometimes get to where I need to go just by writing and letting myself kind of take it there. So what do you do when you get stuck? And so the dreaded writer's block. And so, you know, you, you've written something and you're, you know, you're going back to either um, your computer or a notebook. Um, you know, what's your process for dealing with writer's block? I typically, because it frustrates me a lot, I'll close the laptop or put away the notepad and just take a break. Okay. And that kind of helps me step back from it. And if I clear my mind from it and I just totally focus on something else, maybe go to the store, go do something else. Um, then when I come back to it, I have a bit of uh, fresh eyes and kind of a clear head and can maybe think of something new. Or while I'm not even intending to think about what I'm writing, something will pop into my head and I'll be like, oh my gosh. And then I'll run back to my laptop and put it down. Absolutely. So again, your social impact is Read to Succeed, Promoting Literacy in Grades K through 3. And so um, what specifically about grades uh, kindergarten through third grade um, interest you? 
So I did a lot of research when uh, preparing to compete at Miss Iowa, and then once I won Miss Iowa, preparing to compete at Miss America. So I was very well informed on the issues that I was promoting. Um, and third grade is seen as that kind of cutoff age to where if a student is falling behind in their literacy benchmarks, whether that's reading, writing, or both, it's a lot easier for them to catch up before third grade is over. Once third grade is over, studies show that it is very, very difficult to make up that ground and catch up to where they need to be to be meeting those benchmarks. And not meeting your benchmarks by third grade is statistically linked to higher dropout rates. So if students are not meeting those benchmarks, they are then more probable to be dropping out in the future. And so to stop that problem from even happening in the first place, if we make sure all of our students are reaching that third grade benchmark by the end of third grade, we're going to have um, a very statistical decline of dropouts. And so that's something that I didn't even know. I just really liked literacy and reading and writing. And so as I started doing this research and really choosing what I wanted to use this platform for to make an impact, I was stunned by that almost. Yeah. Um, and so that was something that I really wanted to promote. And my mom is a former teacher, and so I grew up surrounded by books. Yeah. I always had that person encouraging me to read and write. And something that I was also surprised to learn was that some students grow up without books in their home at all. And that was just something that I had never had to think about because it was never something that I had to deal with when I was growing up. And so that was another thing where I was like, okay, how can we get resources and get them out to these students that need those resources so that they can have the things that they need to be practicing their skills at home and able to kind of play that catch up if they need to or stick up with their peers who do have access to those resources. Right. And so as a as a former for, uh, first grade teacher, I was always interested in, you know, what I could do um, for that child who um, wasn't a, as interested in reading or writing. And so, you know, what advice can you give our teachers out there um, around how they might um, get a student um, more interested and more excited um, about reading and writing? Something that I always find when I go into schools and something I saw growing up, I have a twin brother and I was always kind of the bookworm and he really didn't like reading or writing or anything like that. Um, but when you give students or a child the choice of reading whatever they want to, even if that's like a magazine or something, not really even a real book, um, and you give them the choice of what they want to write about, tell them they can write about anything they want, um, that often kind of gets them a little more excited than giving them a specific book and saying you have to read this book or giving them a specific prompt and saying you have to write about this. Um, I find at least, especially like when I was growing up, seeing my brother, he was always so happy to read Sports Illustrated magazine. Yeah. But my some of my teachers or some of his teachers like wouldn't allow us to read magazines for like free reading in class or silent reading. And so I think that's something that if you just let students like as long as they're reading something, yeah. it's it's practice, it's reading. And same thing with writing, you know, maybe give them some broad uh, prompts or broad kind of guidelines when you're doing creative writing in class, but allowing them to really write whatever they want to or read whatever they want to is going to make them more excited than being told you have to do something. Yeah. And so um, great advice for our teachers. And uh, you had mentioned that your mom um, um, uh, was a teacher. Um, and so you were really fortunate to have someone in your life that um, exposed you, exposed you to uh, a lot of books, and so for our parents out there, um, what is some advice you can give them around um, helping their their kids um, with reading um, and writing at home? Yeah, so I, you know, having a teacher as a parent, uh, my mom definitely used like classroom <laughs> tactics in our home too, um, but yeah, she 
did this thing for us where um, we had these little book marks that were timers and we had to time every time we would read and it would count up the minutes and then if we wanted to like use the computer or play on her tablet or like watch tv Mm -hmm. then we would have to turn it on to the countdown so she was making sure that we were spending equal amount of time reading as we were on screens i don't know how realistic that is anymore (laughs) now that screens are literally everywhere this was like way back um but that was something that was positive that she you know made sure that we were spending time doing the reading and not just sitting in front of a screen all day um and also some of my fondest memories are of my mom and my dad sometimes both of them sitting down with us and reading us a story at the end of the day before we went to bed and i think that if parents you know have that free 10 minutes when they're putting their kids to bed to just sit down and read them a story Um, maybe test them and see if they want to read a page or two as they continue to get older and develop their reading skills. That's also, you know, great memory and bonding for them, but also helping them with their reading. Yeah, those core memories of um, sitting in your bed or in that comfortable couch or chair with your parent and then having them read um, the newspaper or a book or a magazine are are really important and can be significantly impactful. Um, And so finally, what about students? You know, what's one message that you want to get out there to our students here in Ankeny about um, why reading is so important and why they should also work to become better writers? Well, anytime I go into a classroom or a school to do a school visit, I always have the students think in their heads about what they want to be when they grow up. And most of them say they have a pretty clear idea of what they want to be. And so I say, OK, well, think about it in your head. And I'm guessing that everybody in this room probably has a different idea in their head of what they want their future career to be. But the one thing that all those careers have in common is that you have to be able to read and write to do that career successfully. And so that's kind of my springboard to talk about, you know, even if you want to be an engineer or a doctor or something that doesn't explicitly require reading and writing every single day, like somebody like myself who's a journalist or maybe a teacher, you still have to be able to effectively communicate with the people around you. And that includes being able to read and write well. And so I think that connecting those skills with their dreams and their passions helps them understand how important it is to be able to do those things so they can be successful and go to college or do whatever they want to do, learn a trade, whatever that is. Um, And that's kind of how I tie those things together in the classroom. So I just like to remind students, you know, even if your future career that you want to go into has nothing to do with reading and writing, you still have to be able to do it well to be successful. And I'm sure everybody wants to be successful. So that's kind of a good way to connect it and tie it back to the student. Great message. And, you know, one of our messages here in Ankeny is that, you know, uh, success looks different. Mm -hmm. You know, so college, career, military or going into the workforce. And so uh, no matter what pathway um, a student chooses, uh, reading and writing um, is it can potentially be impactful no matter what pathway um, they choose. And so um, to our listeners, you know, again, uh, we have Miss Iowa 2021 um, with us today. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about um, you being Miss Iowa and your pathway Uh, towards becoming. And so for our listeners, would you share what your pathway has been uh, from graduating from high school uh, or if it started before high school um, that led you to becoming Miss Iowa? 
Yeah, so the Miss America organization has a teen division, and I kind of got recruited into that when I was 15. I had a family friend who volunteered in um, the area of my hometown, and I competed in that for the first time when I was 15. She had been on me for like three years about jumping into this competition, and I'd never really done anything like it before. But she knew me from my dance studio, and she was like, you have a great talent, you're well-spoken, you should really try this out. And so I finally was like, okay, fine, I'm going to try it. Um, And I ended up winning that local title, going on to state competition that year. Um, And I did it one more year before I aged out, and it was wonderful. I developed so much, especially as a speaker, and I think it really helped prepare me to jump into, like, the college scene and stuff as well. Um, But then I aged out of the teen division at 18, and I kind of stopped. I went to school at the University of Iowa. I started pursuing my degree. I really was focused on getting that degree. I wanted to be in and out in four years and move on into my career. I was really excited about that. Um, and then my junior year of college came and started running out of money for school. And I kind of sat back and I was like, okay, what are my options here? I didn't want to take out more loans. I really didn't want to sit and fill out essay and application after application for scholarships. And I knew the Miss America organization is a huge provider. It's one of the largest providers of scholarship for women in America. And I had had a prior relationship there. So I was like, okay, well, Um, I guess I'll go compete at a local competition. I was in the Miss Division at that point. I was 21 years old. Um, And so I just said, okay, I guess I'm going to jump into this. And so I went, competed at Miss Eastern Iowa, ended up winning that and winning a nice amount of scholarship. Um, And then that was COVID year. So um, I was poised to go to Miss Iowa in the summer of 2020. And then that got canceled and pushed to the next year. So I kind of had this like extended time to be Miss Eastern Iowa, which was really cool. Did a lot of virtual events and really developed this literacy platform that I've been working on for the past two years now. Went to Miss Iowa in the summer of 2021 shocked that I won that I was my first year competing and I just you know I I was there to win scholarship and develop myself but I wasn't necessarily there with my game face to win (laughs) that wasn't the goal the end goal of it I wanted to be Messiah with someday but it was just something in my mind that was years off Um, and then yeah they called my name on stage and I was like holy cow (laughs) so I yeah I won that I it was a very quick turnaround I graduated college um, and then two weeks later, became Miss Iowa. So I had to kind of call up my my job that I had just gone full time at and be like, hey, I need a year off. <laughs> I won Miss Iowa. Um, so that was, you know, interesting. But luckily, they were very supportive. And I'll go back to that after this year is over. Um, got to go to Miss America, which was really, really cool. That was a lifelong dream for me. Um, and I won $15,250 in scholarship and it took care of half my student loans. So the the money issue was no longer an issue. Um, but yeah, that was kind of, I, I went in for the scholarship and I ended up being Miss Iowa, which was really cool. And so, um, again, for our listeners, um, you don't necessarily have to win Miss Iowa in order to receive uh, scholarships. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so you absolutely don't have to win to receive scholarship. Um, every single person who competes at Miss Iowa is given a scholarship. Um, and yeah, see, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. You have to win a local competition before you can advance to the state uh, competition. But at the local level, you're winning scholarships as well, even if you don't win. Um, it depends on the organization. But yeah, there's lots of different things. And then when you get to Miss Iowa, if you're a semifinalist or a finalist, you win um, a scholarship. If you win a special award, like I won additional scholarship for winning the top interview award. 
Um, and there's just lots of different things. If you win Miss Congeniality, you get a scholarship. So that's just for being kind to people. <laughs> you get yeah. a scholarship. So it's really awesome. And it just, um, I, I don't remember the total number that we gave out last year at the state level, but it was close to $20,000 in scholarships. Wow. So it was really, really wonderful that um, we were able to just be this kind of scholarship. And I think that people, that's something that I've really spent a lot of time on my year kind of actively working against is that stereotype that like, oh, I'm just here to sit and look pretty or smile and right. wave because that's absolutely not. I'm doing advocacy work. I'm doing service work and I'm gaining scholarship to further my education or pay off student debt and be able to like pursue the career I want. And so that's something that I always try and tell people. And I always tell people the specific number I've won because yeah. I think when we go out and say, oh, I got a scholarship, people are like, oh, you got 500 bucks. <laughs> it's like, no, a yeah. lot more than that. So I like to tell people that because I think it's important for them to understand exactly the kind of work that the Miss America organization is doing for the young women who participate. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So you know, a after winning Miss Iowa, you talked a little bit about um, having to take a year off from the job that you got after graduating uh, from um, Iowa State University. University of Iowa. Oh, I made that mistake. <laughs> University of Iowa. Um, so what happens after you win Miss Iowa? Yeah, so that's another misconception. Nobody knows who is going to be Miss Iowa until they announce it on stage to the public. Like, I had no idea that I was going to win until they said, the winner is... Um, so in that instant, like everything changes, you take a year off of either school or your career to um, have all of your time to serve the state of Iowa and prepare to represent the state at Miss America. And you have um, a whole board of volunteers that help prepare you for Miss America, help you schedule events around the state. We have a slew of generous sponsors who help us um, fund Miss Iowa's life for the year because I, I don't make an income, but mm -hmm. I have wonderful, wonderful sponsors who provide a car, who provide housing, who pay for um, lots of different things that I need to live this year. Right. Um, so I've been able to be living very comfortably and have a car to drive around the state, fuel to get me there and all those wonderful things. Um, and then we, we, yeah, we spend the entire year serving the state of Iowa. And that looks different for every Miss Iowa because every Miss Iowa has a different social impact initiative she chooses for her year. So mine has been really heavy on libraries and schools because I've been working with the literacy initiative. Um, right. But the Miss Iowa prior to me, Emily, she had um, arts advocacy as her initiative. So she did go to schools, but she went to a lot of other community events and community theaters and stuff like that. Um, women who do like women in STEM or mental health advocacy, that looks different depending on what they're choosing to advocate for that year. Um, and it really is the year that you make it to be. So you travel as much as you're able to, you book events as many as you can. And I've traveled just over 20,000 miles now wow. this year. And that doesn't include- All within Iowa or uh, nationwide? Yeah, so that includes just in Iowa. Okay, wow. Um, but I went to Kent or Kentucky, <laughs> Connecticut twice um, for Miss America uh, orientation. And then Miss America, the competition is in Connecticut. I went to Florida to watch the national teen competition, and I went up to Alaska because our new Miss America this year was from Alaska. Wow. So I got to go to her homecoming gala. So that was a really, I did not think when I was crowned Miss Iowa that I'd go up to Alaska, but that was a really cool trip too. Um, yeah, and so it's just representing at the national competition, but mostly doing that service work in your state and trying to leave things better than you found it. Yeah, and so um, you, you talked a little bit about um, being well-spoken and getting better with giving speeches. Now, what connection did you make 
um, to reading and writing with your ability to speak? And you know, how have you been uh, been able to become a better speaker? So I think um, my vocabulary was something that was really developed by how much I read. Mm. And that's something that I've noticed in myself, um, just reading so much and then pulling up my dictionary and like Googling words and stuff when I was younger that I didn't understand and kind of adding those to my dictionary and my personal like vocabulary. Mm. And then I saw those things come out in my writing and my speaking as well. And so I think the more you read, the more you learn about the language that you're reading. And then you can take those things and use them in your writing and your communicating. And it makes you sound, you know, more well-spoken, more well-read. And um, I just think about like all the college professors I had, they were also like eloquent. And I think that's because they, they must have read so much to get to that point in their academia career that, um, I, and I saw that happening in myself with how much I've read. And I wish I had more time to read now because back when I was younger, I would read all the time. And now I, I, I'm very busy and I'm driving a lot and I can't yeah. quite read. I do listen to a lot of audiobooks, but not quite the same as holding a book in your hand. And so how do you get over the fear of speaking in front of people? <laughs> um, I have always enjoyed the spotlight. I was always <laughs> that kid that like I constantly was, you know, trying to get attention and stuff. I had two brothers, too. Yeah. So um, we have like home videos of um, my little brother, like doing something interesting and I would just like butt in because I wanted to be on camera. So that was always something that I um, have enjoyed is, you know, I don't mind speaking in front of people. I don't really get too nervous to do that. Yeah. But um, I always just tell people, especially I do get nervous when I interview because that's a little different than me going out and speaking. Um, and I always think about it as like the people who are interviewing you or the people who are listening to you speak are not there to like trip you up, to make fun of you, to make you look like a fool. They genuinely want to know what you have to say. Right. And so when you think of it in terms of a conversation or um, a group of people who really want to get to know you more so than, oh, they're scary. They are going to ask me all these questions. They're staring at me. Um, when you switch your perspective there, I think that helps with nerves a lot. Yeah. Um, and I always, <laughs> this is something silly that I used to do when I dance and I now do it before I go and speak and stuff. I like to shake it off. And so before I go on, I like jump up and down and like wiggle right. my hands and body and stuff. And I just like shake all the nerves out of me if I have any nerves and that helps me too. So um, I do that with like younger people who I'm working with for interviewing or speaking, right. um, I, <laughs> I tell them to shake off all the nerves and you'll be fine. Yeah. And so, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, your, your focus on uh, K-3 literacy. You had mentioned libraries. And so, you know, what work have you done across the state uh, with our libraries? So I did a huge library tour this past summer, and I've still been going to libraries intermittently um, the, the whole rest of the year. But this summer, I really doubled down on libraries because schools were obviously not open. Um, and I think my total of libraries that I've been to now is over 30. I need to go back and recount all the number that I've been to. Um, but that was something where I would go into a library and I do story time and then I would do a creative writing activity. It's really similar to what I do in schools, except a little less structured because I have a lot of varying ages mm -hmm. that show up for story time and a little less um, structured environment to do that in. Um, but yeah, I have them draw a picture. And then for the older ones or the ones who are more capable of writing, depending on age, I, I have them describe their picture. And I always say, if I were to pick this up and I hadn't read the book with us, I need to be able to understand what's happening in your picture by what you wrote. So that really helps with the reading comprehension aspect and really describing back the things that you, you read and you remember from the story. 
Um, and so that's what I do with libraries. It's about a half hour program. And I've been, you know, all the way out almost in Omaha, all yeah. the way up almost in Minnesota, all the way down almost in Missouri, like every single place. Um, I have a map in my apartment. I put a pin everywhere I've been and it's just like covered in pins. Wow. That's a, a lot of miles. A in lot the, of miles. 20,000? 20,000, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, tell, tell us about, you know, why do you think public libraries are so important um, for our state? Well, when I touched on earlier, the, the students who don't have access to literature and like reading resources in their homes, that's the place that they can go to have that access. And it's free to the community to go to get books, to get literature, and to just, you know, use a computer, use other resources, Wi-Fi, things that not everybody has access to. And so I think those um, having those resources are really important for communities, especially in our communities that are maybe more rural or lower income that don't have the same resources as somewhere like Des Moines, somewhere like the Quad Cities, where mm -hmm. there is a, an abundance of resources. No, I, um, I, I'm a big fan of public libraries. Everyone go out and get your uh, library card today. And so you um, shared with us you know, your path to becoming Miss Iowa. You've talked about um, what's happening um, once you won in your year uh, of service um, to our state. Um, for our young female listeners right now um, who might be interested in following in your footsteps, um, what would you recommend uh, they do if they want to uh, dip their toe into the pageant arena? Yeah, well, we actually have something called the Princess Program in the state of Iowa, and I believe they're still accepting um, applications if you'd like to participate, but that is a mentorship program where you sign up, you come to Davenport for the, the uh, four-day stretch that the Miss Iowa competition happens, and you get paired up with a candidate, and so that's like a little mentorship relationship. You get to go on stage during the final night of Miss Iowa. You get a crown and sash, and so that's a really fun way for younger uh, students and women, and I believe we do also except younger boys in that program if boys okay. wanted to participate as well um and yeah you get to just have a fun time with that candidate that you're paired up with for the week um and our teen division starts at 13 so anyone as young as 13 who is interested in trying it out we have local competitions all over the state um but if you're not quite at that age yet i just encourage you to practice speaking I my mom would always do this thing um, when I was younger where she'd like have me go up to family members at holiday parties or friends or something and introduce myself and so I would I she'd have me to go up and say like my name and my age and what school I went to and what grade I was in or something like that and I think that really helped me because um, I was a little bit shy when I was younger with talking to adults mm -hmm. and so that was kind of a way to break me out of my shell just when talking to someone older than me um but it ended up being good because I think it just helped develop my speaking. So I just encourage people to ch just talk to anybody, maybe not like a stranger, but talk to <laughs> any any adult or, you know, peer that yeah. you spend time with, that you see at um, different functions or events or in school and develop those skills as well as um, for the Miss Iowa competition, you do have to have a talent, but that doesn't have to be performing talent. We've seen science experiments done. CPR demonstrations, fitness demonstrations, uh, monologues, speed painting, like lots yeah. of different things. It doesn't have to be singing or dancing. Um, so think about a talent that you like to do or something that you are passionate about and how you can turn that into a 90 second on stage demonstration. Um, and that's something too that uh, you need to compete. So 
I, I always encourage people to think outside the box with that, um, but think about what they could do on stage to demonstrate their well-roundedness outside of being able to speak well and have a good resume and good grades and all of that. Right. And so um, over the course of your, of your career, can you think about one, uh, one of the most important lessons that you've learned um, since you've been in this work and since you've been crowned uh, Miss Iowa? Something that I've learned, and it was really apparent as I was preparing for Miss America and doing the whole Miss America experience, is that I have had a terrible habit of underestimating myself. Mm. I think a lot of people do that, um, whether it's negative self-talk or just thinking that they aren't going to be able to make it or be what they want to be because they don't have it in them. That's something that um, when I was crowned Miss Iowa, I, I was excited, but I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if they picked right. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And then day after day, I w proved to myself that I was, and I was the right pick. And, um, you know, any woman who was competing last year would have been a great pick, but like, I, I was ready. I didn't think I was ready, but I was ready. And so I, I just kind of slowly proved to myself, like, I need to stop telling myself that I'm not able to do something. I can do anything that I want to, as long as I work hard and put my mind to it and really um, have the right attitude. And so I always share to other people, like, you do not have to be anything but yourself to do what you want to do, too. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a certain kind of person or a certain, like, anything. You can just dream what you want to dream, do what you want to do, and you don't have to be anything except for who you are. And that was something that, I don't know, I just, I never pictured myself as being a state title holder or being good enough to go to Miss America. And then I did it. And I was like, you know, if I can do it, anyone else can do it. And that doesn't just limit to Miss America. It can be anything that you can think of. So then, so from what I hear you say, that motivation needs to come from within, you know, yeah. um, don't doubt yourself if you want, if you have a goal in mind. Well, and I always say, too, like, nobody else is going to believe in you if you don't believe in you. Absolutely. You, like, the energy you emulate is what other people are going to feel, too. And so if you have the confidence and you have the go-getterness in yourself to jump up and try for something, people are going to rally behind you and want you to succeed and, and believe in you as well. And so I always tell people, you know, the first person that has to take that step is you. Uh, great advice. Um, so I'm going to ask for one more piece of advice, and this is my final question. Um, what encouragement or advice would you give our students here in Ankeny? Um, well, of course, besides reading as much as you can and writing as much as you can, um, just really uh, being flexible with yourself. I had a complete like written down plan of what I thought I wanted my life to look like when I was this age, and it's completely different than what it was. So, you know, working hard and looking towards the future, but don't be set in stone with what you want to do. I have a completely different career than I thought I would have when I started college, and I obviously didn't think that I would be Miss Iowa this right. year either, so, you know, be flexible, and everything that uh, comes to you and presents itself, every opportunity, take it. You never know what's going to come out of uh, one little choice or one little decision to just take a leap of faith, so, yeah, anytime you have an opportunity, whether that's a club at school or a leadership position, um, or something completely outside of school, a new activity that you want to try. Just try out as many things as possible, um, and it'll really help you kind of figure out who you are and what you want to do and be. Again, great advice. Um, I want to thank um, Miss Iowa 2021, Grace Keller, for joining um, us today on this episode of We Are Ankeny. Uh, we look forward to coming to you again with a new episode of Let's Talk About It. We are Ankeny.
Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast, the official podcast of Ankeny Community Schools. 